everybody, Cable Smith here along with Chisholm Cook, and this is episode 10 of Justified Pursuit. Real interesting topic for you this week, one that I'm excited about uh, based off of a book that Chisholm and I just finished. It is called uh, Irreversible Damage, right, bud? Yep, by Abigail Schreier. Abigail Schreier. So, fascinating stuff, and... You're a father of four girls. I'm a father of two girls. This was pretty depressing to see the state of our... You know what? It's really a first world deal, Chisholm. They, oh, absolutely. Like they were talking about uh, Nigerian girls as part of this uh, gender dysphoria pandemic that we're living in. It's totally... It's all first world. So, like, you know, Europe, United States... Uh, Canada, this is where we're seeing unprecedented adolescent females coming out as transgender. Let's go. Let's just go from the beginning. Hang on. Maybe just a quick commentary. You and I's sort of take on how this has become the cause du jour over the last. Oh, sure. Say say 10 years, you know. I mean, well, social media and YouTube, which which she alludes to in in the book, is like one and one A and one B, uh, as far as how the how something like this could take hold of our our young girls. Yeah, for sure. Uh, interestingly, it kind of seems like the tech profession has a, a maybe a disproportionate disproportionate representation within their industry. But you know, I, I'll go back to when the Obama administration sort of threw this out there as it pertained to bathrooms in schools. And I remember being like, Oh yeah. What? What are we, what? What are we talking about? Why? You know, I, I just, I was, I remember just being really confused that all of a sudden, man, we had gone from hooray. The Supreme court has, you know, ruled that States can't block gay marriage to, we can't have signs on bathrooms anymore. And it was just like, Mm-hmm. dizzying yep. how quickly and, and you know that's <clears throat> that's sort of the mark of progressivism right it's what's the next cause to promote and you know sort of upend reality over um as we've said there's always a, a point there and there's always a something something real that 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 they're speaking to but this seemed to be one you know race is pretty obvious and easy racism exists it always has um but you know there's no minorities in america that represent less than a frat you know that represent a fraction of a percent of the population that get a lot of social justice traction right Mm -hmm. and i think i think Hispanic slash Latinos make up, you know, upwards of 20% of the country. And, you know, we know that black people make up 13 to 15% and, you know, Asians make up uh, five to 10% or or whatever it is, you know, we're talking here about, I mean, I wrote wrote it down and we'll get to it, but, you know, incident rates of of less than a 10th of a percent of the population and the other 99.998 of us, literally are all having to change the definition of what what gender even means to accommodate this stuff well i mean it's the dissolution of gender 
completely. You know, right. It's a, in, like, right. I mean, it's, it's the march towards equality, right? Like, right. you can't have equality if there's gender differences. Hey, so the march towards equality, as you said. Uh, but I mean, you just look at it from a okay. There's two ways I would look at it. Number one, biblical. If you are a Christian, uh, that's one way to interpret that. Hey, this is the way God made you. Number two, science. Like whether you are a Christian or not, look at this. Look at the other side. If you're born with a dick, you're a dude. Whether you decide to come out as a homosexual. And I think you and I both are on the same page here. I don't care. That's between you and God. I'm not judging. I have way too many flaws of my own to think that I can sit up here and, and tell you who you can love, who you can't love. doesn't make a difference to me. But when you come out and say, well, I was born a girl, but now I'm a boy. No, you're not. You're still a girl. Uh, you can say whatever you want. Also, this, this is also this pandemic is so recent. Um, and as Abigail alluded to in her book, Bruce Jenner, that whole thing, I think that absolutely mind effed a bunch of young impressionable girls. When now Caitlyn Jenner's on the front of Vanity Fair in a dress, you getting I mean? sports yeah. sports person of the year awards from me. Oh ESPN my god! Yeah. Wow, she's so courageous. No, she's mentally ill, or he, it, whatever, uh, is is sick, needs help, confused. As far as the, I think the main topic, the underlying theme of the book, I mean, it's this term gender dysphoria. Like, what's your interpretation of that? That's actually, I guess, what I wanted, how I wanted to reply to your point just now about Caitlin. It has been a diagnosed mental disorder in what's called the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, the DSM, which is basically the textbook of the psychology and psychiatry profession. It houses all of the conditions that, you know, a psychoanalyst would look for in a patient and, and the traits of those traits of those conditions and, and, you know, how to go about diagnosing them to your point, gender dysphoria or some version of it. They actually, if I recall, she said they actually changed the name to gender dysphoria just here in the most recent edition, mm -hmm. the DSM five, from, uh, I don't remember what it was before. It doesn't really matter. It's still the same thing. I mean, it means just what it sounds like. It means a person who believes that, you know, mentally and emotionally, they're the opposite gender of, of their biological tackle. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it goes much further in the DSM it's still in there today, right? Into diagnosing it. It's, it's a condition that generally, if a person really has it, they have it, you know, it starts to manifest itself at four and five years old and it's super consistent and it's, you know, very disruptive to the person's day-to-day -day well being, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, that, that's, that's not what's being addressed here in modern society. It, and we can go like chapter by chapter or we can just sort of scatter shoot it. But, you know, people, the, 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 the medical profession isn't even diagnosing this anymore. It's a self-diagnosed issue. To your point, if you've got a 12 or 13 year old girl who's, you know, part of a, a clique at school that all decides one day that they're transgender, that child in, in a number of states in the U.S. can go to the doctor, simply explain that 
tell them that they need testosterone supplements to transition Mm-hmm. And what the medical profession calls it is gender affirming care. It's not a diagnosis or a prescription. You go in, I mean, it, it'd be we're, like you were. We're, and this is one thing that is like so obvious throughout this reading this whole book is that they don't give a shit what the parents think or want or how they want their. Kids oh, raised. it's so much worse than that, dude. It's yeah. so much worse than that. I'm 100% convinced that it's that this is a deliberate a deliberate move to separate children and parents in the name of, of Marxism, which we've talked about like yep. that. I, I sincerely believe that again, we'll, we'll get into more of that, that and they're, you know, they're doing, be, they're driving a wedge on purpose. Yeah. And some people might be like, well, you're just, you know, you're coming off as like believing in conspiracy theories. I don't think in this case you are yeah, wait till off the, the mark at all. Like they are trying to separate and, and they're going towards well, if you throw a fit about the way that they, as in the system, wants to raise your kid because they're not letting you do it, then they're going to take your kid away from you. I mean, that's the path that we're, I'm looking at right here. Right. I think we mentioned that on the last discussion at the very end when we teed this conversation up. And it, I don't recall Schreier necessarily going there. Um, she stayed more like, here's the facts on the ground sort of right. with this uh, with this book. Um but I bet if you were to have a conversation with her, she'd say, yeah, there are, there are at least subsets within this movement that are absolutely um, already, there are, there are some that are already saying that, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they, 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 quote unquote, they, right? These wise ultra progressives are just absolutely convinced that if you're not on board with this 100%, that you're abusing the child by not transitioning them. But getting back to the, the self-diagnosis and self-prescription. I mean, you and I take testosterone supplementation at 39, almost 40 years old. Yep. Prescribed by a doctor who made us go through blood tests, right? And who regulate that dose to get us back to a more optimum level. But we, there's no doctor that I know of where we could walk in and say, hey, I want some testosterone and then just hand it out. Right. right. But that's what these, that's what these, you know, these transitioning yeah. and they, and pre-teenage they, girls are able to do is just go in and say, I, I'm, I'm gender dysphoric and I need this. And they just get it because it's gender yeah. affirming and it's what's necessary. And what kind of hell that has to wreak on an adolescent body that's trying to turn into a woman scientifically, naturally, versus just dumping all of these male hormones into their body at the same time. She details it. Like I said, well, I think we, we can get to some of that, but I mean, it's obvious, right? It's it's so obvious that if you pump an adolescent girl up with testosterone, you are changing her body and her body chemistry forever. I mean, they, she talks in the book about how the medical profession, I mean, I think, I think how the medical profession has gotten behind this to me. Dude, it is. It is truly shocking. I think you and I would both agree. This is not an anti-trans rant we're on. Absolutely not. It's an anti-screwing with the bodies of children rant that we're on yeah. and stand that we're taking. Well, like I, we I, said I, last I'm time. on record as saying, I, I think you can choose your own sexual orientation. You can't choose what sex you are. I mean, that's just, that's science. You just, you can't do it. Well, I mean, okay, but the flip side of that could be 
you know, and I think the entire LGBTQRSTUV community does, you know, makes this argument. That's what I call it. Yeah. (laughs) XYZ or WXYZ. Um, They would all say God did make us this way, right? God, I I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't argue that there aren't a, 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 I think the majority of gay people were, they knew they were gay really early on. I've I've been around some five, I've been around some five-year-old kids where it was just, oh, undeniable our neighbor's kid there's no doubt in my mind right and and so i think we need to respect that and it definitely poses the question how do we reconcile the fact that god does make some of these people you know not uh sort of gender typical or sexually oriented you know typical in a sexual orientation but that's a whole different conversation for for a different podcast you know I, i just say i do think that there's a there's a reason the diagnosis has existed as long as it has. There have always been people who, for whatever reason, their brain is wired opposite of the way their body was built. And, True. you know, and we shouldn't just dismiss that. At the same time, indulging the f- fantasies, whims, and, you know, peer pressure of preteen children who might go t- uh, 12 years of a life without ever once indicating anything other than being, you know, gender conforming. And then th- that all of a sudden get to be freshmen in high school and they're transgender and their parents have no idea. Yeah. So l- I guess let's go through it a little bit. Um, well, I want to start with the word contagion and that's yeah. underlined very Perfect. early on in the book. The first note I've got to mental contagions have there, there are records of, of strange, mental contagions grasping groups entire communities entire cities some of some of the records are hundreds and even thousands of years old i remember listening to a hardcore history podcast one of the best podcasts ever produced they they talk about documentation of a of an incident in germany in like the 14 or 1500s if i recall correctly uh like a like a german village like an old style walled you know german Mm-hmm. small german city where everybody in the city went ape shit for like four days they were i mean literally like interestingly there were travelers that popped into town during this four days and wrote about what they've witnessed and this historical record was compiled from eyewitness accounts people who had actually been there clergy and teachers and people who had traveled into the town but everybody literally went nuts and they were like screaming and kicking each other's asses in the streets and throwing feces and just like Hmm. i mean went completely ballistic insane and then it just ended as quick as it had come on there's been all kinds of weird stuff like that but in particular this is sort of a, a known thing in the world of psychology girls pre-teenage girls in particular are highly susceptible to that type of thing they're highly susceptible to peer group peer pressure and in group versus out group um you know sort of grooming and you know things like and this 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 thing right now sounds to me and Schreier basically says this just like anorexia and bulimia was the major concern for parents of teenage girls when you and I were that age Right. Everybody was worried about it. They talked about it in school. They talked about it on, you know, on, on PBS and, uh, you know, after school type programming, trying to get parents to, to watch out for signs that your child's not eating or, or is, you know, binge eating or gagging or all these things because they feel this tremendous pressure to look 
you know, that they say, right, to, to look like the girls in the magazines and they all get together and girls being much more empathetic generally than boys. They get together, they commiserate, they they do a lot of like, um, I don't want to sound negative here, right? But 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 young girls will complain to each other and, and then try to, you know, prop each other up and give each other, you know, positive reinforcement but they're always sort of commiserating together and so it can lead to this like well here this helped me and you try it no this helped me too you try it and, you know but well, i think that's the way that it always was but now right. and, and, and you know a group of girls get together and they lean on each other and they they cry together they laugh together they get their hearts broken together and she talks about all this stuff first kisses um smoking cigarettes drinking taking risks like kids today don't do all less- that no, they don't, and they spend less time in person hanging out with their friends than they ever have, which is alarming when you talk about, okay, now everything's... I mean, they'd rather text than than hang out with their friends, or they're in the same room with their friends, and they're texting someone else, not even paying attention. Right. I mean, it's just they can't get off these devices, which YouTube influencing is... And she talked about some of these influencers that are trans, and and the most popular ones, they'll have you know millions of followers, and they'll say... Uh, if you think you're trans, you are trans. So that, right. I mean, that was one thing. No doubt about it. Stood out to me. Like, no, you're not. Like, I can admit, like, in Legends of the Fall, Brad Pitt's a good looking dude. Uh, that, doesn't yeah. make, that doesn't make me gay. Like, I'm not like, oh, now I'm a homo uh, sexual. Right. Because, dude. you know, <laughs> I mean, how absurd is that? You, If you have a trans thought, you're trans. That's the message that they're putting out there to these kids. That's one of my biggest concerns with it, man, is that, I, you know, I think any adult <clears throat> certainly any you know average to above average intelligent intelligent adult that is thoughtful probably went through and, and maybe not maybe everybody went through a phase as an adolescent where they didn't know who they were right i mean mm-hmm. I, I i was talking with ashley about this before we got on this call like i remember very clearly in junior high having a this weird phase where i didn't yeah, I remember thinking, man, I wonder if I'm gay, mm-hmm. right? And not because I had any thoughts of, just because I didn't, I, I didn't know what that even meant. I didn't know what that world was. I was learning about the world and about right. myself at a time where my body's hormones were changing, my body composition was changing, my brain was being altered accordingly, right? Mm-hmm. I remember, as I was telling her, I, I remember having this thought as a, as a you know, around that time that, uh, I, I would never, as as a boy, be able to know what it feel like felt like to have a baby inside of me, and even going so far in my head as remembering thinking, I sure would like to know what that would be like. I bet that's fascinating. I bet that's amazing to have a baby growing inside of you, right? Yeah, I've never had that one. Okay, but I'm I'm not I'm, I'm not saying everybody did. I'm being you know I'm being yeah. I'm in the trust. You're being tree. transparent we're, and honest, we, and I appreciate we're, that. We're in the trust tree right here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I. It was fleeting, man. I don't feel that way anymore. I don't think it lasted a month. Right. Uh, I just remember having it. And I, I, my point is, like, if I had, I expressed that sort of stuff to my folks enough because they were awesome people who just absolutely created a trust tree <laughs> environment where, where we would talk about this sort of stuff. And, you know, my dad would joke with somebody back then about, I remember him doing it at the dear lease one time. He's like, yeah, Chiz is going through a little bit of an identity crisis, <laughs> you know? And at the time I remember kind of feeling like somewhat relieved that he understood that. And then also like, what a jerk for, <laughs> you know, saying it, but 
would we have you know it would would that have led to a psychiatrist basically demanding to my parents that I be transitioned right you know at at 13 years old because I was I wouldn't even say I was confused I was just thinking you know yeah and 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 and, and being and and try trying to sort of sort out life and understand it and I was on the opposite end of the uh, spectrum and was getting pumped full of uh uh, speed essentially with Adderall so that I would stop acting like a traditional boy, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so we were all part of something was going on. Uh, it's funny. I mean, that was the, that was the, the beginning of the amphetamines, you know, in giving them to kids phase that, that I lived through. Now our kids are living through this gender dysphoria situation and the contagion surrounding it right um i guess let's start by just picking through some of our notes here uh like we said the kids are hanging out less in person they're not taking those risks that's a big deal uh no not kissing kids are having less premarital sex these days which you know maybe that's a good thing maybe it's a bad thing uh but they're not they're not exploring their sexuality which i think is leading them to coming up with this as like the end all be all is I guess I'm trans because I'm confused or I'm depressed or this or that name, any problem I can use trans to be this cool hip kid that now gets a lot of likes on my Instagram posts. And that's so fake because instead of hanging out with their girlfriends, they're basing acceptance off of how many way to go or I'm proud of you comments they get on an Instagram post. Yeah, you know, like anything else, there's many different factors that all are sort of combining in to, to create this weird scenario. And I would certainly recommend anybody who has even a passing interest in this issue uh, and anybody that has kids right now should, should give this book a read or a listen because I think she does a phenomenal job of laying it yeah. all out there. But um, yeah, I mean, again, the social media is a component. Peer pressure is a component. The reaction of the world right now, because this is the cause du jour, is a is a huge comp component. Um, you know, go, I, trans adolescent cases in girls in the United States quadrupled from 2016 to 2017. Britain reports a 440 percent increase in that same demographic over the past decade. Think yep. about that. Staggering numbers, man. Uh, so she goes through those statistics in, in, I guess, that first couple of chapters. And yeah, I, I wrote down where <clears throat> uh, the, the basically like the, the, so the DSM, which we already talked about, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, the last time it was updated, updated to version five, um, to, as of 10 years ago, that the incident rate of transgender or, or, you know, what in there would be called uh, gender dysphoria among boys was 0.005% to 0.014%. For girls, it was 0.002 to 0.003. So less than half. And as, as you said, I, what I wrote down was that the rate in the US is up 1000% from there. Mm -hmm. The UK rate is up 4000% from there. And that three fourths of those girls, three fourths of those sort of new cases, particularly in the UK, are among girls. So they went from half to the majority of these. And just from 2016 to 2017, in 2016, females made up, you know, born biological females 
made up 46% of gender dysphoria case gender dysphoria cases in Europe and in 2017 that had jumped to 70%. Mm-hmm. So it's clear it's like a it's like a freight train among among these young girls and you know transgender activists are saying oh it's because they're finally comfortable coming out about it. You know, I don't I don't buy that because the data is pretty clear that girls can and are subject to this type of quote mental contagion but again even if it is true and it's just a matter of acceptance that doesn't mean that changing their body chemistry at 12 13 14 years old and cutting their breasts off is a good freaking idea right, right? like and, and and here's the real here's the real hammer man and it comes out in multiple chapters i had it a little bit later down but the thing that is the is just gut-wrenching about this is that the activists um, whether they just be, you know, the, the social media influencer types, politicians, but most egregiously, teachers and psychiatrists and medical doctors will mm-hmm. tell a parent who takes a kid in to talk about this issue and says, I don't think this is right. My child's never shown these signs before. I can't imagine giving them testosterone because of the damage that it can cause. Da, 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 da. What they're hearing back from shrinks and doctors is, yeah, well, if you don't, your kid will commit suicide. So you better get with the program. Right. But everything in her book points to. Um, They'll do it anyway. Or, yeah, I mean, it, it was oh, like 80 yeah. percent. She said 80 percent about right. of people that have started to transition cite more depression afterwards. So the, it's like they're running from this problem, adopting right. this fake reality. And then they haven't dealt with the underlying issue, whatever that may be. This is the cover up. The depression gets worse. They, you know, the cutting, the suicide attempts. No, the the doctors are lying to the to the parents. Psychiatrists are lying. They're depressed already. It's not going to help them. It's a, and it's a temporary escape. That's exactly right. I mean, it could be social media itself causing anxiety and depression in the child. And again, they get to be freshmen in high school, and there's this whole click that is into transgenderism, you know, she makes the point again, you and I are both on, on testosterone supplementation. We know what it does. It makes you feel awesome and strong and energetic and virulent, right? That's why boys have too much energy, you know, teenage boys. That's why they're, because they're driven by this basically rocket fuel. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they go to school and they've got two or three girlfriends who are taking testosterone and they're seeing the results they hoped for plus feeling awesome. Right. And it's like a drug. Hey, this drug makes you feel awesome. Try it. And you take it. Right. It is a drug. It's testosterone. And again, one that you that these girls can just go in and demand. Yeah. Let's talk about that. So she breaks down and the uh, most egregious states are California, first and foremost. Yeah. Oregon, New Jersey, Illinois, Virginia, New York have all adopted some kind of. um gender identity teaching or curriculum in the public schools and the California's teacher union. It really irked me to hear like the, the head of that, I think it was the Los Angeles, uh, uh, school district, like the head lady there. Right. Talked about how she doesn't interpret them as being educators anymore, more like community leaders and if they have to teach kids um social social issues 
that parents once taught, well, that's what they're going to do. But, yeah. but the parents are still teaching them. It's it, They're taking that away from the parents, putting it into the curriculum. And then as early as kindergarten, kindergarten in California, their kids are introduced to the gingerbread person and the gender unicorn. And at five years old, they are told that they could possibly have a girl brain in a boy's body. That's what they're taught in California. Yeah, they're, they're actually, what they're taught is that the doctor guessed at their gender based on their biological organs, but that that's the two are not related. The two are not related and that only they know what gender they are and they need to figure that out. That's at five years old. They're indoctrinated with that ideology. It's insanity, dude. Insanity. And here's I, the best part. They have <laughs> written into it to where the parents cannot withdraw their kids from that teaching. Yeah. That's that so, is written into the California curriculum that you may not remove your kids from that. They will be taught that or you or they'll be truant. Yeah, I mean even even worse, uh, if you recall, they she explains, and I've seen it in other sources, that that uh when it comes to traditional sexual education, which California's sex ed program is anything but traditional, and we'll touch on that too. But when it comes to sex ed, you the law in California is a parent can opt their child out of sex ed. To your point, they cannot. The law does not allow opting out of uh, gender studies or whatever it is. Not just gender, but like the, the but LGBTQ studies in particular, like like uh, gay gay stud, gay education, uh, as well as as this gender issue. Yeah, you can't opt out of it. And as you said. They're starting it in kindergarten. So the lady that you mentioned, I, I didn't write her name down, but you're right. She's the, uh, she's the head superintendent. I don't have any idea, but well, no, she has a specific role related to this. Okay. Um, I think specifically LGBTQ educational issues in you're right. The, uh, the Los Angeles, greater Los Angeles area or whatever, uh, public school district, which is like the second largest public school district in the country. Right. You know what, what you're, quoting actually was from an email that Abigail Schreier, the author of the book, got back in an inquiry to this woman. Mm -hmm. And the woman's statement was something to the effect of, <clears throat> I mean, so these, these were all exact, you know, I'll, I'll paraphrase her words, but sure. it was Abigail Schreier reciting her exact email, right? That, um, yeah, you know, school is a place to teach, uh, you know, uh, arithmetic, uh, history, you know, English, da, 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 da. Sure. It's, it's those things, but, it, but it's more than that in California. What we've come to realize is what they've come to realize is that the, um, that the schools need to be a hub of social services. I, My kids going to school to get an education. That's all they're going for. Right. In California, they'd be going to school to get an, an indoctrination, but mm -hmm. so, so she says social services, right? Like, like health care services, at the school dental services did you, did you catch that that I already did, I did. and i yeah. was like oh here's some socialism right here yeah so they this, <laughs> i had no idea but there are schools in california i don't know if this is every school or if it's just la and san francisco or, or what but there are definitely schools in california that already provide not just a nurse but like full medical services prescription drug writing within the high schools and 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 dental work and so she's like so so you know, we should have psychiatrists offering counseling yeah. within the school as well. And, you know, all these other services. Then she says, 
which you touched on that, you know, in addition to, to the social, social service distributor role, they should be a hub for social justice. And that's where teaching about, you know, <laughs> critical race theory comes into play, but more important, important to this conversation. To our colleges and universities, they've been saying and doing the same thing for a long time. Uh, yeah, exactly. But, but I mean, now, it's, it's trickled which, all the way down to which kindergarten is offensive enough in its own right. But you can multiply that by a thousand when you're talking about indoctrinating uh, five-year-old kids with this BS. So, I mean, they can't even yeah. think for themselves. A college kid. Yeah. Okay. You're drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah. I, I think a lot of them are smart enough not to, but you know, at five years old, there's no way. Some of the things this lady they brainwashed is what they're, I mean, it's just, I mean, we've talked about how social justice um, is something more than what it sounds like, right? We're not sitting here bashing the concept of, of, of social justice if it's defined properly, right? We don't, don't believe in discrimination and, <clears throat> and, and hatred and, and division. But what I also don't agree with is leftists teaching what they call social justice to, you know, K through 12. And so, so they're the, they're the, they're the, they're, they, they believe they have a job to, in, to instruct, I would say, indoctrinate, uh, you know, future generations into this social justice ethos. Right. And some of the things she said about how detrimental parents are to that mission and how they have a role to basically supersede the parents on better on behalf of society. Dude, when I say guys, God, everybody needs to read about Karl Marx and what he preached, because this is exactly what Marx preached. This is you how you have five, six, seven or eight, eight year old kids running around Germany saying how Hitler Exactly, dude. Exactly. You know, I, I, I hate I hate using the Hitler comparison true. right off the bat, but you're 100 percent right. It's absolutely true. The Germans did that. Uh, the Russians did that. The you know Chinese do that now. The North Koreans do it now. You know, yeah, getting I mean, we'll get to 1984 here in the next couple of weeks. But in the first couple of chapters of that book, all the way back in the 30s and 40s, Orwell pointed out that indoctrinating the youth to this worldview and then turning them against the parents mm -hmm. to rat the parents out when they're not subscribing properly to the group think right is i mean that is marxism at its core and so for for these educators to sit there and say that they know what's best for these children in the future of society better than the parents who are responsible for their entire livelihood is I mean, it, it, it's, it's worthy of protesting, in my opinion, far. There should be protests over this. Well, and she even Rather, mentions, yeah. like, in the book, as these adolescent girls are transitioning, their relationships with their parents are deteriorating because they're getting oh, they're, fed this by their friend group, by their, by their teachers, by the educational yeah. system, and then the people that actually care about them and want what's best for their kids, like any normal parent, or the ones who they turn their back on. And I'm like, it, some of them block them from their social media. Once they turn 18, they move out. They no longer even have any relationship with their parents at all. It's part of that culture that if you're, if a parent does not on the very first conversation buy into the program hook, line and sinker that their child needs to transition, 
then they're basically bigoted. And, and again, social media influencers, uh, doctors will, will tell the child, you need to get away from your parents for your own good or you'll commit suicide. Right. Tell these kids that dude. And so to your point, yeah, part of the program is if you question it at all, you're going to end up losing your child entirely. She had that one great example. She goes through specific cases where she's talked with like individuals, transgender individuals and their parents. Um, and, you know, there, there was one example where she said, like, just the week before the child had taken two thousand dollars from the she was like a 20 yeah. year old. Right. She was oh, like yeah, a college, yeah. college living, kid living in New York now. Right. Like yeah. the like the week before had taken two grand off of her parents. And then, uh, you know, and, and then the, the very next week she's uh, cutting them, telling them I'm. I'm disconnecting from y'all you're toxic, toxic uh yeah. right yeah you, you're you're unhealthy for me you're harming me and i'm, I'm gone after taking all their money right or taking mm-hmm. some of the, yeah. there, there was another quote i can't remember if it was the lady from the the la school district or, or it may have been a lady from new jersey i want to say this one came from new jersey but the, the direct quote from the book was this person claimed that parents surrender parental rights when they drop their kids off at public schools. Really? You are don't remember? Oh my gosh, dude! I mean, that, are the are the uh, te- are the teachers still allowed to spank kids? Because I spank my kids, and I don't I, think you can do that in today's day and age, <laughs> dude. So I don't believe that. That's just total BS. It was the most jaw-dropping part of the entire book, which was, you know, every sentence made you just cringe. But yeah. But but for for an educator in America to say that your your parental rights cease once you enroll your child in the public education system, mm-hmm. again, I just I feel like they might I feel like the that the the left slash the Democratic Party in this country and the social justice warriors are just tattooing on their foreheads, communism's on its way, and everybody's just whistling past the graveyard, you know, but do what? My, my, I don't have a say in my child's life anymore because they go to public school. Are you, F, are you serious? Right. How about I just stop paying the damn taxes that support your bullshit? Yep. Uh, anyway. I wanted to hit on uh, Dr. Littman and what happened with her. She did a very extensive research paper for, I forget which college she worked at. It might have been, might have been Brown. Do you recall? No, I, I don't. So, I remember the name Littman, but I don't remember. Yeah, she, so she writes this very in-depth analysis and i think oh i think by and large abigail used that as kind of a i don't want to say an outline for her book but certainly as a reference um and it was widely accepted as a very eye-opening uh unbiased presentation well all these gay rights groups or lgbq whatever uh groups get a hold of it start telling her uh, that she is a bigot, a racist, although a, a, a uh, right-wing extremist, although she even talks, uh, her and Abigail went out to dinner um, and actually had a, a face-to-face meeting. And she said she's never voted Republican in her life, is, has worked at Planned Parenthood right. as a okay. volunteer. Yep. I remember that. Yeah. And so she's like, it couldn't even be further from the truth. She just put out this factual piece of literature out there and next thing you know she's been she loses her job uh they do whoever published it did a retraction uh so they you know made an apology basically uh and so it's just another example of the voices of so few being heard louder than the majority uh, majority in our country and 
you can look anywhere across the board in our society. This is just one area, but I mean, it happens all too often. And going back to what, uh, what we kind of talked about last time, you don't have the right to not be offended. Same deal. You know, I'm sorry. 1% or whatever you said, uh, one, one hundredth of a percent on the, uh, the trans community. If it offends you, it, you know, we can still call a spade a spade and say that facts are facts. Man, it's the same approach that they use on the, the race conversation in BLM, right? If you, if you dare question it, they just scream. come off as like racists and like bigots and stuff, like by having this podcast where we just point out. Oh, dude, to a huge subset of society, absolutely we do. Because I don't feel, I mean, I, I'm not one, you know? I, I have family that's homosexual. I have friends of all colors, people that I hunt and fish with. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't, of, I don't, I don't think feedback I've gotten. Chisholm was like, finally, some people that are willing to talk about this stuff. I mean, that's almost all the feedback I've gotten. I, I don't, I'm not sitting here saying a majority. We are putting ourselves kind of in this weird area where I guess, you know, what a leftist would label us that, right? For sure. Yeah, for sure. But I don't believe the majority of Americans are leftists. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think that if you add up the leftists, the true devout leftists, because some of them know what they're doing, dude. Some of them know damn good and well that arguing against this is actually a problem for them because their arguments suck and they're based on fallacies, right? Which is why they just scream obscenities at you and cow you into submission with, um, you know, with name calling. But I also Which think is what they did to Dr. Lippman's piece, getting back right, to exactly, I mean, like, right, exactly, right, exactly. Just she got called, yeah, yeah, exactly. No. Canceled. No, yeah. got canceled for for wrong think. Yeah. That's all. I mean, it's again Orwellian, hundred percent. <clears throat> my concern is: are there enough people? You know, we we talked about your brother the other day. As you know, I've got loved ones extraordinarily close to me that are. Uh, not seeing the world the way we are at the moment right. either um, right. that are arguing to me that socialism is somehow Christian uh, or, you know, at least entertaining the argument. And, you know, I, I guess what I'm getting at is people want to be seen and, and thought of, they want to be loving and kind and empathetic, right? Dude, I'm tremendously uh, compassionate towards a child that every second of every day is convinced that they're in the wrong body. Like I know it's a real thing and I'm, I just, I, my heart breaks for a child in that situation and for the parents that are having to try to navigate it. That does not mean that we jump to this extremism of saying that any 13 year old girl who suffers from a spell of confusion should go on testosterone supplements and cut off her breasts. Right. And anybody who thinks that we're saying that and that's outrageous and that's not happening, read the damn book because it is. There are there are clinics all across the country in the states that you name, plus Colorado and um, Massachusetts and New Jersey or Michigan, I think was the one, the one you missed. There are clinics in every single one of those states that are offering these services to children as young as 12, 13, 14 years old. A lot of these it, girls, Chisholm, they wear binders. Um they like put it in their backpack, put it on when mm -hmm. they get to school and then take it off before they get home. So their parents don't know. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that part. You know, we, we got into the schools part and um, kind of got back uh, off of it, but school, I have, I want to reiterate the schools part is the most disgusting yes. thing in the whole book. In my opinion, I'm not sure if it's that or the medical profession. They're both, yeah. uh, they're both horribly problematic. I'm, I'm I kind of think the medical professionals who are subscribing to this, 
we don't even diagnose or prescribe anymore. We just let 12 year olds tell us what to do. I kind of think they're the worst. That is exactly what she said in the book. Yeah. The, the yeah. 12 year olds are now the doctors self-diagnosing right. themselves and then just having access to these drugs. Yep. And but if, if it's a chick- damage to their bodies, right. If it's a chicken or the egg conversation, then it's the schools that taught them to think yeah. that. Right. So you, they seem to be the root cause um, and maybe the medical profession is like the gasoline on the fire. But so anyway, so, so, we, so we've named off the states where this is going on. Right. And at the end of the last podcast, I, I mentioned two rules I had looked up. California, where they said, where, you know, where we've already talked about where, you know, at, as young as kindergarten, they've got this gender ideology being taught. And then New Jersey, where they say, um, you know, at a state level that this is a confidential matter that the schools can't share with the parents. Oh, my God. Yeah. So as it turns out, that's already the case in California. Not surprisingly, California is leading us into this woke utopia on every front. Right. So here's some stuff that really shocked me to learn. This has all just come up this year. Some of this has just come up this year. So they'd already gotten the deal through to teach this in kindergartens. At the beginning of this year, I think it was actually in January, the California Teachers Association, the teachers union you mentioned, which it is staggering to me, the kind of power the California Teachers Association is wielding. It's unconscionable that they get to dictate, they get to actually dictate education policy. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's what the CTA, the California Teachers Association, as far as I can tell, is actually doing. They're, oh, they're not, yeah. that, that group is not advocating teacher salaries and benefits. They're advocating, advocating what are we indoctrinating the kids with? Kids with. But anyway, so <clears throat> the, in January, the CTA brought up a resolution to do what, we just, what I just said, which is to provide transgender affirmation to high school kids um, and to deliberately hide that from parents who wouldn't necessarily support it. And what, so the part that really shocked me was it was a real easy sell because the law of the land already in California was that girls, teenage girls could leave campus to go get quote hormone therapies, specifically birth control without their parents' acknowledgement or consent, which led me into a whole nother rabbit hole. And I had a friend, a conversation with a mutual friend of ours who lives in the greater Bay area who didn't even fully understand. (laughs) Okay. In California, Mm -hmm. a child, a minor, I think maybe starting at the age of 12, it might've been 14, but somewhere around junior high, freshman year in high school, they no longer require, well, specifically doctor patient privilege, confidentiality Mm -hmm. becomes uh, is extended to minor children at that point. That to is the, a load of bullshit. It's I can't. I mean, like, unbelievable. You kid can't sign a contract. Dude. Need to have access to that information on your child's physical and mental health. It is unbelievable. That is, Anything that the child decides they don't want shared with their parents is protected as confidential at that point. That's why these and kids so, are going to school as boys, coming home, and then returning to their normal, you know, birth gender as girls. And just repeating it the next day, and the parents are none the wiser. The teachers are referring to them as their, you know, they're, they're referring to them as their boy name, but then, you know, on all their report cards and everything mm-hmm. else, they're hiding it, acting like it's not going on. I mean, actively hiding it, dude. In cahoots. Act- actively hiding it. And, and that's, that's like, 
man, that's just a, sort of another level. It, it's it's not even just it's not even just leaving them out. It's deliberate concealment and deception, right? But yeah. so so this mutual friend of ours, we're talking about all this, and he's one hundred percent on in line with everything that you and I think and believe in, in regard to all this stuff. Right. But when it came to this issue of, I was shocked to find out that for years now that the state of California allows, allows high school girls to leave campus during school hours to go get birth control that they don't have to tell their parents about that. The medical profession provides it, that the school provides the time for it. And that in collectively all of them, including the child, deliberately hide that information from the parents mm -hmm. and he was like well but um but isn't but it, but i mean adolescents and like teenagers they they have you know doctor patient privilege it's it's supposed it, it has to be kept confidential and i was like in california dude and he goes no 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 i you know I, he, he does tech work, tech work in the medical industry and is somewhat familiar with hipaa and all that stuff accordingly and he's like no 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 i think that's i think that's the law everywhere and i was like dude it is not the law here and as we were talking, I Googled it and I found the, the HIPAA uh, page on the, the Department of uh, Health and uh, what is it? The DHS, I think, Department of Human or Health Services or whatever. It's a .gov website explaining that, yeah, the law in the United States at the highest level is any minor under the age of 18, their medical records are uh, an open book to... Uh, the custodians or guardians of that child, whether that's parent, grandparent, you know, adopted parent, whatever. Um, but it does state in there, you know, unless and to the extent that certain states, you know, provide any additional law on the matter, or, you know, maybe there's instances where if the parent acknowledges that this is confidential and I want my child to talk freely to you, then at that point, they've kind of waived their right to, to butt in on it, th those sorts of things. But these but, parents never had that right to waive. Dude, so so but my, my, my main point is while I was talking to him, I was able to show him, dude, this is you're not right. You're incorrect. You live in a in a socialist Mecca where that's what you've been taught to believe. But it's not true. The majority of the states absolutely, you know, up, uphold the idea that if that child lives under your roof and is your is your ward. The doctor can't do anything without your knowledge and consent. They wouldn't be able to sign the waiver required to take the medical services right the parent has to sign for that but that's not the law in california so so we've established that a kid can leave school with school permission go to a clinic get birth control go back to school and the doctors and the school and the child will all they will all conspire secret, yeah. yeah conspire to hide it from the parents and so therefore this this meeting in january for the cta there it was a quote easy sell the way schreier described it because they were already doing that for girls to get birth control. Well, now we'll just let kids leave high school to go get gender reassignment uh, hormones because yeah. it's still just hormone. It's hormone therapy one way or the other. Yeah, so now you're, you're a bigot if you're not if you're letting the girls go get birth control, but you're not letting the, the trans kids go get their hormones. So so I find the birth control thing shocking. I, I, it was the most shocking moment of the book to me to learn that that's been the law in California for as long as it has. Uh -huh. Um and then, and to me, so, so that's bad enough, but there's lots of teenage girls that are on birth control with their parents' consent. That's pretty standard, I'd bet, a lot of times these days. So there's probably a lot of parents who are like, oh, well, eh. but But now you're saying that they'll send your kid to a clinic to get testosterone shots, 
a, you know, a, an adolescent girl, mm-hmm. which as you said, <laughs> it's amazing that these medical professionals in defending these practices will call some of these procedures and, and, uh, and therapies that they're offering semi-permanent. So they'll, they'll, they'll call the, they'll call the testosterone treatment and the impacts of testosterone treatment semi-permanent. That is Orwellian newspeak (laughs) to the, to the T because there's no such thing. There's either permanent or not. Right. Right. And so some, if what they're, what they mean is some of the changes that this child will undergo will last their lifetime, but some of them will just reverse themselves because the child's natural biology will retake. Right. Mm-hmm. But the stuff that doesn't go away is a, a deeper voice. And after just six months, a huge high risk of like ovarian cancers uh, or uterine, uterine cancers, I know in particular, uh, cervical issues. I mean, just imagine, right? You're injecting right. a male hormone into a female body. And not surprisingly, all of her female parts go out of whack, get jacked up, start growing bad cells, right? Well, and you're and going back to the binder, like, the long-term effects of like having breast tissue just knotted down flat. I mean, right. And that's just from a piece of apparel. I mean, yeah, there's negative, there's negative side effects from that, but that's not even talking about, you know, physically intervening in the child's biology. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, removing the basically dude, if if a kid does six plus months of testosterone, their chances of having a child become next to zero from what Schreier reports. And then again, some of these clinics, I know Boston does this. There's a clinic in Boston she references in particular that offers double mastectomies to girls 15, 16 years old, cutting their breast tissue completely out of their body. And then even that, they're like, oh, well, that one's reversible because you can just get implants later. You know, all I really wanted to do at age 15 and 16 was like, get my hands on some breast tissue. (laughs) (laughs) My childhood was so, my adolescence was so different than what girls are going through today. You know, and that brings up an interesting counter to the argument that um, that the left is making that that the rapid increase in this issue is proof that it was something was being suppressed. The numbers for boys are not changing. Right. The numbers from boys are almost the same. They're flat. Boys aren't transitioning at a higher rate than they were before. It's a explosive, strange anomaly within girls. And that goes back to the idea that it's. Uh, more of a a mental contagion um, probably due to a host of other issues that are not being uh, identified or addressed, but man, uh, what did you think about this? Um, When she was talking about historically strong women in history, like Joan of Arc and, and, you know, um, name the other ones, uh, Florence Nightingale, all, all these women who were ahead of their time and, were celebrated then and now well they're going basically like in in california curriculum is discrediting those women and saying they were probably trans which means they were more man than woman and it's like the it's taking away from the feminine movement and achievement man that is totally just dishonoring what they did as actual women because they weren't trans uh they might have been lesbians um but they certainly weren't transgendered so you just touched on something that I think is having the opposite I, effect. They're like, Oh, go, you know, we're, we love the feminist movement. No, you don't because you just discredited all of these amazing women in history. 
Yeah, man. The the tension the tension between the trans activist community and the feminist activist community um, is is probably the single brightest example I can think of of how the left ultimately eats itself, and why I hope. You know, traditional leftism was based strictly on economic policy. Marxism was based on economics, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, there were a lot more have-nots than haves. This new age of Marxism is based on this sort of thing. Race, gender, uh, sexual orientation, uh, maybe ethnicity, religion, right? It's all based on, um, well, not even religion. It's all based on, quote-unquote, immutable characteristics, right? Identity politics, Mm -hmm. My hope is that's not going to work. And, and you know, I've, I've heard several commentators talk about how, you know, there were communists from Russia uh, coming over here as early as the 30s trying to insta- instigate uh, and, and rally supporters for uh, communism here in the States. And then later on, you know, once Mao's revolution started in China, that, you know, there were Chinese, like the Chinese Progressive Association we talked about that was founded in the 70s. They've been trying this for a long time. And what they kind of realized about 30, 40 years back was that <clears throat> the middle class in America, because, um, you know, we're the greatest democratic republic, capitalist democratic republic the world's ever seen. The middle class is too healthy and strong. Nobody was buying their economic oppression bullshit. So they had to come up with another approach. And that's where they got into, you know, they realized that, that the Achilles heel of the United States in particular is race because of slavery, et cetera, right? So anyway, you look at what the trans activists are doing to the feminists and my gosh, dude, I mean, how many examples does she cite of boys competing in, of, of, of biological born males competing against women, sometimes without even having gone through an actual gender reassignment, they're still physically biologically boys, but they feel like girls. So they get to play girls sports and they dominate the hell out of them at wrestling and they dominate the hell out of them in rugby and, you know, Dude, that's I want to see a I want to see a dude who thinks he's a girl fighting in the octagon UFC against they, women. They were doing that. That's when Joe Rogan. Kept, They're the, letting a dude beat the crap out of girls in UFC. It wasn't in the UFC in particular. It was in. I don't I don't think I'd have to look and I'll, I'll try to find that. The for older the I get, the more I like watching UFC and the guys just beat the shit out of each other. I don't know. I didn't I didn't used to like it when I was younger, but I'm like, I think it's awesome now. Yeah, I find it way more interesting than I used to. Um, <laughs> I always like watching boxing MMA. I don't with... want to see a dude beat the shit out of girls. I think it would be like maybe just to make a point one time. If Hopefully the girl doesn't die. But dudes, I mean, you can't have that. You can't have men, men competing against women in sports i mean i mean even obviously in Texas, i think a Dude. girl lost it like girls are yes like in track it's happened like, in the uil here yes scholarships are being taken away from deserving young women and given yes. to dudes who say oh i'm a girl okay right and, and and the trans activists and the you know the, the woke leftists they stand and applaud this meanwhile like you said and here here's the here's the most hilarious sort of conundrum that the left faces on this is that they claim that the biological differences between men and women are all part of a social construct to begin with. It's so, so like anybody with a brain knows that men have certain physical advantages over women, period. Um, Particularly in upper body strength, overall explosive athleticism. Right. 
And so, yeah, it's obvious that if you put a boy into a, per, a, a child born a boy that has normal male hormones, um, hell, even lower end male hormones, they're still going to have more testosterone than biologically born girls. So you put them into an athletic contest and boys are going to mop up. And to your point, hurt girls if it's things like wrestling and stuff. And hurting... <laughs> So they sit there out of one side of their mouth. They say that this gender dysphoria is so crucial to this child's well-being that they need to physically introduce hormones to change the child's body. Yet at the same time, they claim there's not really enough of a difference in the two in the first place to justify excluding them from the sports. And it's like, which is it, man? Do they need the testosterone or not? Right. There's a fundamental there's a fundamental chasm there between these beliefs that they have. And, that, and that's what this all boils down to. So I, I want to put this out there belief. and it's not to do anything other than just prove the point about the difference between men and women playing sports. The women's national team, the United States women's soccer team that recently won the World Cup like 18 months ago, best team on the planet. They scrimmaged the FC Dallas U15, that's 15- and 16-year-old boys. They scrimmaged them leading up to that World Cup. They lost 5-2 to two to a bunch of high school sophomores and juniors. I mean, 5-2, to two, and they're the best women, the best female players on the planet. Lost to 15-year-old boys. Yeah, and, and women are infinitely better caretakers, and you know, infinitely more organized and infinitely better at multitasking. We have our strengths and weaknesses, right? Like, it, mm -hmm. and I don't think any normal brained human male or female denies any of this, but the shocking thing is that when somebody like, um, oh man, what's the, uh, JK Rowling dares. <laughs> so there's a case in, in the UK, mm -hmm. man, it, you know, uh, we point to stuff in the UK and Canada and Australia. And I, I don't know if, everybody listening cares, but woke progressivism in the United States follows the trends in those places. So it matters what's happening in the UK and it matters what's happening to the North of us in Canada. It absolutely matters because what's happening there is a matter of time before it's happening here. Anyway, in the UK, there are already police that will knock on your door. If you post something on social media, that's considered hate speech. There was a lady that worked at some random private business that dared put on her, I think, Facebook page, maybe, I don't, I don't know, whatever social media account, something to the effect that women are women. Um, I think it had to do maybe with specifically with transgender women, quote, uh, you know, playing sports against biological women. And she got fired. And if I'm not mistaken, got charges brought against her. And ended up having to go through that, yeah, and had to go through the legal system there to defend what she had put out online on this topic. And J.K. Rowling, about a year and a half or two ago, stepped out in her defense and said, this is insane. Of course, women are women. And now all of a sudden, this woman who wrote the most beloved book series that, uh, you know, an entire, you know, the most beloved book series of an entire generation, the same generation, incidentally, that, you know, was the first to buy into this mm -hmm. hook, line, and sinker, ours, namely, uh, 
you know, this generation that that basically worshipped this woman, you know, who has always been an LGBT progressive, right? She has the, she dares say she's right, women were women, and now they all are trying to cancel her like crazy. And to her infinite credit, it's like every six months, she says something again that just enrages these people, but she's not backing down from them. Yeah. Um. But I mean, yeah, it, I guess I kind of lost my point or my train. Well, of that's thought. okay. I, I, I will add this. I, I don't yeah. know if you saw the, uh, the girl pregnant lady posted on her Facebook something about not adhering to mask mandates in Australia. Did, did, did you see this story? No, I haven't seen that. Her boyfriend is sitting They're in their kitchen. Knock on the door. Here come the police. They think it's a joke. They're like, what, what are y'all doing here? They're like, uh, we're here to arrest you and take your, we're going to confiscate your computer. And they're like, wow. What? And she's, she's like eight months pregnant. And they're like, yeah, you, uh, you said on your Facebook, uh, that, you know, you're not going to adhere to these mask regulations. And so that's, uh, that's a violation correct. of some whatever. Wow. And the police arrested her. And, and like we talked about last week, I think it was last week, in Australia, you're not a citizen. You're a subject. And that's just proof of it. Uh, which, look at our own situation here today and the attack on the... We always talk about the, the Second Amendment, but it's like the First Amendment is the one that is being attacked more right now than, than I can... Than, I, than I've ever seen. Like, the First Amendment to me is like almost dead with the way that social media conglomerates control the source of information. And uh, like we talked about the New York post uh, story just being completely squashed by uh, Twitter. I mean, you look at these other countries, Australia, Great Britain. Yes. That's where the wokeism, I guess, originates. And we kind of take our cue from them. But the one thing that we still have going for us is that at least we're still free. I, I feel like we're still free, although the First Amendment is just constantly under attack and like that lady situation in Australia. How far removed are we in this country from something like that happening? I think we're very close, man. Um, I, I think we're I think we're frighteningly close. Uh, and frankly, I think this election will go a long way, uh, go a long way to war determining, you know, just how just how close we are. Um, I did want to say I thought of something after our last call. And, you know, it's relates to where we were just at with this Australia thing. But uh, I think we said that, you know, Australia looks like they've got a bigger problem than we do. Um, much like here, that seems to be in pockets in like woke, progressive, bigger cities. But there are, you know, you talked about Australia's history and sort of that that outback. Uh, uh, mystique. Mystique is the exact word I was looking for. Yeah, <clears throat> it's still there, man. There are still there are plenty of Aussies who are just, you know, choking on this woke progressive crap, just like we are. Um, we have uh, allies in the UK, in Canada, that this is not, none of this is a lost cause, that this is a fight that needs to be had. I, I think we talked about the lady in the UK, the, the, uh, the black uh, parliament member PM in, in the UK that was standing up against uh, you know, giving a speech in the House of Commons about the uh, uh, critical race theory stuff, but she made the point like, you know, we don't just adopt these ideas. You know, she, she's like, we don't adopt Marxism is not the way we live just because somebody thought it was a good idea. So, you know, this this idea that everything's racist if there's a racial disparity is not something we can just we should just accept as fact. It's 
it's the same thing here, right? There, I think everybody needs to understand that there's this weird movement afoot to <laughs> sterilize big swaths of children, and it needs to be stood up against. And I think we got derailed a little bit, but the response that we'll get to this from trans activists is, yeah, we're transphobes. And that, you know, we don't care about those people and we're just perfectly fine if they commit suicide because their parents didn't support their desire to transition. None of that's true. It just isn't. We don't. We know there are permanent ramifications from doing these things to these children. All we're saying is you can't consent to a contract at that age. How can you possibly consent to physically altering your body for the rest of your life such that you may not be able to have children, such that you may have higher incidence of certain cancers, right? Mm -hmm. It just it just seems obvious, and we're going to keep saying it. So <clears throat> anyway. You know, there is one thing, one faction that we didn't discuss, and that is there are parents out there who, like, are taking it, taking their cue from the educational system, or maybe they're just so far off base that they don't understand the reality of their decisions, but they're like pro transgendering their kids at like five and six years old, Chisholm. And then like even uh, that that's there's a new story about the divorced couple and she's like making the dad who's abhorredly against transitioning their kid. Uh, I think the kid is like five years old, six years old, and they're making him pay for it. Like a judge said, you have to pay for it. Like I've said before, anybody who thinks that we're immune to this in Texas is absolutely wrong. Was that in I, Texas? I think I thought you were talking about that Texas case. Which one were you talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Okay, I just I didn't remember that that was in Texas. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, like the seven the seven year old boy. So seven year old boy. Okay, yeah, yeah, that was up there in up in your neck of the woods, up in uh, Addison, maybe uh, it's somewhere in the DFW area. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. A a Texas psychiatrist demanded that they transition that little boy, uh, and then a Texas judge backed it. Well, Seven I'm, glad that, I'm glad you, you cleared the air on that because that just goes to show you what you said. We're not immune to it. Uh, and then thinking that you are, it's the same. And to me, it goes back to the Second Amendment. Like, And I've been preaching this for years. Like, If something happens in California, you can't just sit here and say, oh, well, I live in Texas. That doesn't affect me. It all affects everybody. Yep. And it just bleeds a little bit at a time. And it bleeds west to east. Well, the scary thing is it's on, it's kind of, we've got it well, on. You both. could also say it bleeds <laughs> east to west from New York. So Exactly, yeah. man. We're, we're kind of stuck in the middle of, you yeah. know, between a rock and a hard place. Um, um, one other thing I wanted to mention, though, while, while I'm thinking about it, which really stood out to me, and I didn't know this was a thing. So going back to what you talked about earlier, kind of the pandemic of our time, 90s kids, uh, was bulimia and anorexia. Did you hear her say in this book when Abigail was talking about the Instagram and no, the YouTube pages that were pro anorexia and bulimia and it would, they would teach kids how to hide it from their parents. Like, Hey, if you want your parents to not be suspicious before they get home, take out a bowl and some cereal and just put some milk and a little cereal in there. When they ask you if you're hungry, you just say, no, you already ate. And it just looks like you did like intentionally things to do to trick your parents into not knowing that you're going in the bathroom and puking your guts up. Yeah, man. Um, like when, when we used to make ourselves throw up, it was so we could drink more. 
<laughs> I don't think I ever did that, but uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna say I've never stuck my finger. I did a lot of dumb shit when I was 19, 20 years old. I think that I may, if I ever did that, it was just to go to sleep and stop spinning. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, man, the internet. I think we've said before is like this, the most, uh, <laughs> most. It's the sharpest double-edged sword that man has ever created. Man, it's both a, a a tool and a weapon for information and freedom, and also for confusion and disinformation and and catastrophe and yeah the fact that you can find an echo chamber for every little you know quirky niche that you could possibly ever subscribe to is a huge part of the problem um you know if you're if you're a flat earther there is a whole society online of people who actually believe the earth is flat if how you old are, are you, your kids are a little older than mine how old is your oldest daughter uh, she'll be 12 in a month. Does she have free reign to just get on the internet and look at whatever she wants? So they have a laptop. Um, I'm only that, asking because you, you're there now and I'm going to be there in a couple years. And uh, I think this is, you know, there'd be a, a whole other podcast on what's an overbearing parent and what isn't. But I think we have a responsibility <laughs> to make sure that our kids aren't looking at stuff that's no inappropriate or you know so i i'm just curious like no no i mean I, I'm, I plan to close this out with abigail's advice to parents so this is good and important i don't uh like i said they have my my oldest two share a laptop that they uh -huh. you know write stuff on and, and do stuff like that and they they have some basic understanding of surfing the internet i'll be honest with you i should check in more often on what they're actually consuming but I don't have any reason right now to believe from what I do see them using in the conversations that we have that they have found any of the, quote, problematic parts of the Internet. They're looking at uh, mostly it's stuff they want to buy on Amazon. And, you know, my oldest looks at horse stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, that all that being said, you know, if they watch enough Disney Channel, they're getting plenty of like super subtle indoctrination on all this stuff. Um to the point, you know, I, I we should check and look and watch more closely. I don't think they've found that stuff yet, uh, but it is just a matter of time. To your point, I think that the real sort of weapon of mass destruction, as far as this goes, is the cell phone. Um, and my kids do not have cell phones, and they will not get smartphones until. Man, to be honest with you, I'm not even kidding. I don't know if I'll get them a smartphone while they're in my house, mm -hmm. and um, I kind of think that with what's going on in the world right now and particularly the response and reaction to that social dilemma movie that came out on Netflix, um, which we should both try to check out and talk about sometime. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I know I'm not the only person who thinks that way. And, and I have a feeling that that movement's going to grow. Like I, my, my 10 year old's always asking for a phone and we're just like, no, you don't need a phone you're pretty much never without us. What would the phone be for? And it's just because one kid in her class has a phone and they all want a phone. And it's just, you know, you know I think it's a great idea to bring back. It's like, here's your landline. Talk to whoever you want. Yeah. Like, talk to some, instead of texting, going Call. back to what's going on with kids today and they're not talking to each other. They're not communicating. They're not having those interactions, those life lessons that come about at adolescence. I mean, I remember just having a phone in my room and thinking that was the greatest gift in the world. I like, talked to all my friends whenever I wanted to talk to my girlfriend, whatever could actually sit here and communicate like human beings. Yep. I think that that would uh, be a I great, it's a great idea. 
I think I think it's I mean, I'm not like I said I'm not kidding I, I don't expect to get my children this might be the first time I've said it it's been so far it's been a can I just keep kicking as far out of sight as I can right um, with the caveat I think you I'm gonna I'm gonna be interested to know what your thought is once they start driving though well but I didn't say I wouldn't get them a cell phone yeah right it's and to your point like right. I mean I, I don't need a landline yeah there are still manufacturers of flip phones um hell maybe even one that doesn't allow texting but at a bare minimum texting and talking and right. that's all you get until you're 18 get your own job pay your own data plan you can go get an iphone and by then we've gotten ourselves far enough out of this impressionable mind shaping age right well, although you're you still know. the parent right uh, i will say this um there are some of these trans these young women have come back um and this is more towards the end of the book but have said basically at a very young age i got myself into a cult and i was spir spiraling out of control the depression getting worse the cutting all these horrible things that you wouldn't want any person to have to go through and then once they stopped taking the testosterone stopped calling themselves a male went back and a lot of them just went back to just being a lesbian and the majority of them report that the overall quality of life and happiness that they experience has increased exponentially. And and Abigail said that these these type of women are great sources of information for girls that are thinking about this. Like, look, I made this mistake. I got wrapped up in this contagion, in this gender dysphoria that's created by modern society. Here, don't don't do what I did. So I think that's worth mentioning too. Yeah, I think totally. we're going to see more and more of that. Oh, I, I have a feeling that we're only at the tip of the iceberg on this issue in terms of its uh, overall cultural impact. I, I mean, I think we're only at the tip of the iceberg in terms of the activists pushing for massive social upheaval and um, the response to that, the pendulum swinging back. And, you know, that would include the detransitioning of, of kids who were allowed to do this. Yeah, all that stuff. It, I think the next decade maybe two will be partly dominated by this, by this issue, man, based on the statistics that she outlines. It's, mm -hmm. it's unreal. I do have a few more things that I, I really wanted to get in there. Um, we'll rifle them off. Yeah. Back on California schools. So, so the, the, the next level that they plan to take this to in California, as we talked about them believing that the schools are, uh, are sort of a, an, an, an all service center for, for social issues. They want to put clinics in the schools fund that in fact i think that the governor may have just there's i think their legislature just like last month voted on a bill that would provide funding for transition clinics and, and other types of these types of services inside the schools like they wouldn't even yeah, have, yeah. so right now the law is they they have to leave the school to go get their testosterone this would provide it in the school still oh, nice behind the back of the parents very deliberately behind the back of the parents um one of the quotes from one of these uh you know, teachers either there in New Jersey said something like, you know, the, the, the bottom line is, or maybe this was actually a medical professional, but that, you know, the, these kids at the ages of 12, 13, 14, they know who they are. They absolutely know who they are. So if they tell you they're transgender, they're right. They're the one they know what dude kids don't know a damn thing at that age. And the, any, any educated human that could sit there and say otherwise is being, I mean, dude, it's cult. Like it's, this is a cult. Is, is really what it is because these yeah. are beliefs that, these are baseless beliefs man and a whole bunch of actual 
like transgender adults are coming out. She has a sit down with a, a transgender porn star named Buck Angel, um, who actually sounds like a fascinating uh, and good person who says this is insanity. You know, this was a this was a person born a, a lady that in I think in his 40s transitioned to a man. And if you look at pictures of him, you're like, holy crap, that's a, a he's a butch guy now. Right. But he's adamantly against this stuff and he catches worlds of hate from the online trans community because they say he's contributing to the problem for just saying wait till you're 18 don't don't embrace this at that age you don't know who you are yet you can't you don't know what the long-term consequences are so you know there are uh voices even within the community that are against this specific issue of doing this to children um on that topic you know i talked we talked about the fact that what they call it is trans affirming care that the medical profession psychiatrists and doctors call it trans affirming care no diagnosis process is required uh there's basically no concern given whatsoever to side effects because to because what they say and she stresses this repeatedly is there's no side effect nearly as bad as your kid committing suicide if you don't do this what kind of decision making process do you stick a human being in when you tell them yeah, your kid could end up with ovarian and uterine cancer and cervical cancer and da 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 da. da. Um, but if you don't do all that, if you don't take that risk, they're just going to kill themselves. What a terrible My place to be in as a parent, where mm-hmm. your your kid is distraught. You have hired some kind of psychiatrist. So you've sought medical help to try to get your kid through this, and they come back and say your kid's trans. They told me they know. Now you have to support it. Like, I feel terrible for the parents. I feel terrible for the kids. Um, I, I just hope and pray that I never have to walk that line with my kiddos. It's so awful. And again, you know, it's not just what they tell the parents. The schools tell kids you need to, ex- dude, I mean, it's being, it's, it's not just being allowed and permitted in California. It's being pressed and embraced at the first sign that a child expresses confusion you know, or this desire to be part of the in crowd. They're like, yep, you need to get your butt to the clinic, get yourself on that testosterone, give it about 18 months and get your boobs cut off and you better do it or you're going to kill yourself. They tell them that these counselors tell them that and social media influencers tell them that. And again, much worse. They tell them you got to get away from your parents or they'll make you kill yourself over this. And yeah, yeah. Uh, so then she's got a section on towards the end on advice to parents. Uh, I think it's great advice. Generally, transgender issues aside. Um, she says, don't give them smartphones first and foremost. She points out that nearly every novel, so like new issue in the, among teens, uh, can basically be tracked to the 2007 release of the iPhone, um, skyrocketing, uh, you know, instances of suicide, uh, of, of, um, you know, bullying, bullying has skyrocketed because it's mostly done online now, uh, anxiety and depression issues, this transgender, all of that, the numbers are two, three, four, five fold increases among teenagers across this country. And it all can like, it ties, she says, ties directly to 2007 and the release of the iPhone. Uh, she says, and you said this, don't relinquish your authority as a parent, period. Um, you know, don't be hateful about the issue, but don't just roll over and say, oh yeah, I'm, you know, don't, don't let them bully you into it for fear of your, your child committing suicide as hard as that may be. And that 
that sounds like, I mean, I don't even know, to your point, I don't even know how you stand against it if you're being threatened by medical professionals that your kid will kill themselves. It, right. It's so egregious and grotesque. I can't. <clears throat> she says, uh, don't support the idolical, idol, idol, ideological indoctrination in your school system. Mm-hmm. So, you know, take a stand, be at, be vocal. Don't fear the haters. Don't feel the cancel culture. We, we've got to, don't fear it. We've got to stand against it. Um, and we got to keep it out of schools. Um, this was really interesting and we haven't touched on it yet, but it's definitely something she does several times. And that is, she says something like re-embrace privacy in the home. And the point she makes is that a lot of these kids, they'll make a public pronouncement at school and more importantly, online. Uh-huh. They've c- cultivated their little, you know, particularly their, their Facebook transgender community or TikTok transgender community or whichever social media apps they're using, they'll have this whole crew before which they come out and they get showered with praise and adulation. Yeah. Um, And then it's like, if six months later they realize it was a phase and they're not into it anymore, they're kind of stuck. They can't go back on it because then they would lose basically everybody they had endeared themselves to. And that is really where social uh, where peer pressure it's like next level peer pressure, right? It's like they were pressured into it. And once they're in it, then they can't get out of it. It's like, it's like joining a, joining the mob or something, right? Cult. I found that, well, yeah, cult. I found that one really interesting. And, um, and, then so, and so the last one she mentions is um, you, you may need to consider, she said, big steps to actually remove your child. And, and in this context, she's, she was really focused on girls throughout this. Um, but you know, remove your child, daughter, whoever, uh, from the environment where this is being promoted. Like she has one example where, you know, this mother moved her child, uh, I think out of state to like a rural community in the Midwest to get her away from, maybe they were in Boston in particular. Um, and that sure enough, once they, like a few months after getting her out of the environment, her, her daughter, she said, if I recall correctly, she said she still identified as trans online, but stopped, uh, it just was a non-issue at home and she'd stop like demanding the the treatments, right. And demanding the actual transition. Mm-hmm. Um, so <clears throat> I, I thought that was all really good advice. Um, you know, one of the things getting back to the conflict with feminism is it, it's like these kids have been brainwashed to think that being a woman, this is the conversation that this lady Abigail Schreier had with Megan Kelly, which I would highly recommend to everybody on Megan Kelly's podcast. But, it, you know, being two very strong, uh, empowered 21st century women, right? They, they were like, girls are not being taught to embrace their femininity. Going back to the episode three of our podcast, right? Mm-hmm. And embracing uh, masculinity. Like, femininity is a virtue and it comes with all kinds of great things and it comes with certain burdens too. But that's part of life. And, you know, whether it's letting them compete in sports or, or not, or in all these, like it's a, it's kind of a really an attack on the very idea of being a woman. Uh, and both of them have huge problems with that concept. She specifically said, and I, I thought this was uh, really poignant uh, that she's concerned that we're creating feedback loops in an attempt to be sympathetic. Uh, and I think that's exactly it, right? Whether it's the social media angle of it or the medical professional angle of it, uh, the, 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 the schools, they're all just saying, yep, we affirm, we affirm. This is great. This is great. This is, um, this is the, this is the cause of the, the 21st century and go, go, go. 
I know Nobody, what I was going to say. except for the parent is is actually having a real conversation with with the kid. Right. Nobody is. All they're doing is patting them on the back and say, "You go, uh, you go, you, uh, they." <laughs> God, I hate <laughs> they to them. Make it sound like you need to snoop on your kids more, but oh, totally. Like, oh, we do. We do. I think, I think, I think I parents are not. They're not in tune with what their is their kids are actually going through, or what kind of. Uh, information they're soaking up through their smartphone or whatever i I mean invasion of privacy like i remember like having those conversations with my parents like hey you know get out of my get out of my business of course they they knew better than i did every time at every turn every mistake i made they they pretty much knew i was going to make it yep uh but there were times when there was like beer in the back of my trunk like hidden under athletic shorts and sweatshirts and everything and I just like go out to the car, and it, it was gone. I'm like, huh? There they was never a conversation with my right. dad about where it went. We both knew knew where it went. <laughs> it got poured out. He didn't drink it. He, he threw it in the trash. He was in tune with what his son was getting into or trying to. Like, a, dude, almost every document you've ever signed on your child's behalf will refer to you as their guardian. That's our job, is to guard them, and that means invading their privacy they don't have privacy they're minors mm-hmm. they don't they, they just all there is to it they it's our job to protect them including from themselves it's so- does that stop though because i was like 22 uh, and came home from college and one time my bong just disappeared i don't know if it ever <laughs> totally stops um i mean certainly once they're out of your house you know it's not I don't. I, my but adult I, I had gotten out of the house and then came back, so I thought like maybe there was like this understanding there. But nope, the bomb well, was gone. One of her major themes was. Thanks for looking uh, out for me, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> he saved you from a life uh, lifetime of the munchies. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and spilled bong water. One of the things I forgot a minute ago that I, I did want to touch on is, uh, you know, as I was talking about uh, this feedback loop thing, is, um, you know, with this anorexia and bulimia, even though you're you pointed out there are social media groups dedicated to that for the most part, certainly in schools, it was never something to be, it was a problem to be addressed, not something to be embraced. Right. So if this is sort of the mental contagion of 24 of the 21st century, akin to that, instead of going to the parents and going to the doctors and, and seeking help for a child, they put the kid on stage in an, in the auditorium, in order for that person to, you know, unveil their transgenderism to the school and they all get applauded for it. Actually, they don't get applauded for it. They get snaps because clapping is a microaggression, but whatever, like they, <laughs> it, it gets, I mean, they actually, it gets reinforced both at the schools and oh, in social living media. In the twilight zone, man. It's insanity, man. Um, but she, so the last couple of things I had, you know, she kind of closes with this impassioned defense, getting, getting to what you're talking about. I, I know what I was going to say. There's, to your question, I guess my personal opinion on when does that stop the the invasive parenting? Is it something that gradually kind of goes by the wayside gradually, right? As the kids earn more trust, you let them push boundaries farther. That's the way I see it. They're and that's, that's towards adulthood. Yeah. And to your point, like your dad finding some beer when you were a junior or senior, he didn't make a humongous deal out of it. He didn't uh, you know, discipline you in front of everybody and ground you, but you knew damn well what had happened. And you knew you'd been caught. Right. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, with my girls, she makes the point abundantly clear that taking some level of risk and exploring boundaries is so crucial to childhood development. It is. I, I mean, I, I know that for a fact from my own background, mm-hmm. it, 
you, you got to let some of that happen. You got, and we talked about this. That's part of dad's job in particular is to let the kid fall down and, and get hurt. That's the and realize they're going to survive as it, a parent, right? It's it's terrifying, but we but we do. I think you know have, when my yeah. girls are say fifteen, um, I'll start you know loosening the rope a little bit, and when they're sixteen, a little bit more. And by the time they're eighteen, my hope is that I don't have to feel the need to dig through their crap, yeah. right? At the same time, if I at any point get the feeling that I need to, then I will, yeah. right? Because that's again my job until they're eighteen is to be their guardian. So the very last thing I wanted to say from the book, well, on that note, she talks about, you know, imagine all the sleepless nights of parenting, right? All the nights that your child wakes up throwing up and, you know, worrying, you know, agonizing about having their tonsils removed, this, that, all this stuff. And then, and then you get, when they're 17 and you're, they're like 30 minutes late for curfew. Right, exactly. And, and then, and then at oh 19, my God, the hell I put my parents through. I feel really bad right now. I know <laughs> you can get yourself, <laughs> you know, you go through all that. And at the age of 19, your kid leaves for college and comes back uh, woke and, you know, claiming to be transgender and saying that you don't care about them if you don't give them testosterone supplements and all you, you know, that, that you're just embracing their suicide. And it's, uh, closing thought, this is, um, again, I think pretty poignant, but she, she mentioned how, you know, the, the same crowd, the same left-leaning crowd in America that would argue that children, minors need special treatment in criminal proceedings because they can't be held responsible for their actions as children are sitting there telling us they know who they are. They can self-diagnose on this issue and self-prescribe hormonal and physical invasive procedures. Like mm -hmm. there are so many fallacies and, and direct contradictions uh, on both sides, but I feel like the lefts are, are just, <laughs> there's no rationalizing them that that's a great one right like oh you, you you're saying a kid steals something and the kid doesn't should should be granted complete leniency by the court system because they're after all they're just a kid but then the kid comes and says oh i'm in the wrong body and i want you to give me testosterone and it's like yep the kid knows what he's talking about or she's talking about do it you know we've talked about like the left or even even the, the democrats having good intentions on a lot of their ideologies and they just and go about delivering it in the wrong way. This is not one of those. This is pure evil. There's nothing redeeming about uh, transgendering a preteen or a teenager. There just isn't. Man, I, I always try to... I can't find one good... Th there's, there's just nothing there that's positive. I, like our rules state, I always try to assume good intentions. I, I try to steel man the other side's argument and attack their strongest arguments, not their weakest. Mm -hmm. um, but to your point, man, I, I get the big heart, bleeding heart, progressive mindset on this. They say, oh, you, you know, I, I guess I'll say this. I think they mean it when they say your kid will kill themselves if you don't do this. I do think they mean that. And so I do think that a lot of them, it's coming from some place of, of, of desiring to protect but anybody who says you've signed off your rights as this child's parent because you put them in public school um i'm not giving them the benefit of the doubt they're yeah. they're marxists um they may sincerely believe that they're doing what's best for humanity uh but they're wrong and it's all based on a fallacy and it's all just way out of whack with the natural order of things and it's i think another it, it when you when you remove spirituality and any notion of a higher authority 
from society. Uh, the spiritual hole that's left in someone's soul is filled with this kind of crap. New age, you know, belief structures, because people have to have something to believe in. And and so you know, this is one of, of many, but man, not all of them deserve to be given the benefit of the doubt here. You know, yeah. she, Schreier talks a lot about some of the parents that are part of these woke communities and they're tortured by this because they feel the need to be uh, empathetic about it. And they feel the need to, well, a lot of what they feel is just social pressure from their, you know, idiot woke neighbors, but you know, they're, they're people who consider themselves open-minded and progressive in the little P sense, the good sense. Right. Right. Um, not, not, <laughs> you know, the communist sense. And yet they know in their heart and in their soul that this is a phase because their kid had spent the last 13 years playing with dolls and, uh, you know, playing dress up. And then all of a sudden they get to be freshmen and they're claiming they're a boy. Right. And they're, they're like, and I don't want to do this because it's going to hurt them physically and change them physically forever. And I don't think they're ready to make that decision. And what do I do? Right. I mean, those, those aren't, but they're, but then they're also tortured by, but I, I can't deny who my child is. If this is real, what if this is real and I don't help them and it does cause them to, to commit suicide or maybe not that dramatic, but you know, to spend the next four years uh, miserable until at 18, I finally let them do this or they, I can't stop them from doing it. Right. Like mm -hmm. it's a mess. Um, it's a, it's a real mess. It's, it's something too, that like I'll, uh, when I'm debating, debating, when I'm talking about woke progressive crap to friends and family that are sympathetic to it, I'll throw this out there and they just want to dismiss it. Like, Oh pff, yeah. I mean, that's easy. That's low. hanging. Yeah. It's such, you know, why, right. why do you go, why do you go straight to the trans issue? Cause it's a big effing deal. And anybody who's in denial about it needs to wake the hell up. That's why this is, I mean, a, a this is the of adolescent girls are, are basically, I'm not saying they're getting left behind, but I have a feeling like in 20 years, we're going to look at them as like those poor girls. What do we do to them? Yeah, man. Yeah. I think we're going to see, I think we're going to see hundreds and maybe thousands of kids coming you know, in the future, thousands, yeah, probably easily coming out and saying, I can't believe that <laughs> you sit here and say, I wish my folks with good intentions wouldn't have given me Adderall. Yep. How many of these boys and girls are going to say, I really wish my parents wouldn't have indulged this fad? Or um, my parents tried to, but the school shut them out. And uh, right here, here we are. So, yeah. Um, well, I, I think we're getting a little long-winded here. Uh, I don't know if there was anything else you wanted to add, but no, there I'm isn't. Not. Okay. Well, good conversation today. Y'all check out the book. It is uh, Irreversible Damage by Abigail Schreier. Great stuff. Um, that's going to do it for episode 10. We will be back with episode 11, which who knows what's going to happen in the next couple of days, but it will be the election recap for good better or worse i don't know dude i'm terrified you're a little bit more confident than me we'll see what happens no just because i'm a little bit more confident and what's going to happen doesn't mean that i'm not terrified for the country one way or another <laughs> right right so. well that's going to do it for episode 10 for chisholm cook on cable smith we'll see you guys next time I wish that I was a chunk of coal Way down deep
the belly of my soul I'd sparkle and I'd shine I might be a diamond in my own sweet time And I wish I was a chunk of coal